Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Kristen Westcott. She is a business growth strategist and the founder of Kristen Westcott Media. Kristen actually found that what was holding back ambitious female solopreneurs wasn't a lack of drive or ability, but a lack of foundational systems that could support the day-to-day operations of a scaling business. We talk about boundary settings, we talk about non-negotiables, and some of the very common things that hold back women entrepreneurs. She shares some beautiful, valuable, and practical tips in this episode. Enjoy. Kristen, thank you so much for being a guest on the Women Developing Brilliance podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I am so excited to be chatting with you today, too. Awesome. Sounds wonderful. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and kind of some of the signposts or turning points that brought you to where you are today. Okay. So currently today, I work as an integrator for a lot of businesses. I shouldn't say a lot. A few clients. <laughs> when you're an integrator, you can't have a whole lot all at once. Um, and so if you're if your people aren't familiar, an integrator, another word for them, some people think of them as an OBM. Essentially, what they do is they run the whole back end of your business so that you can be the visionary. Um, nice. And so what I do alongside that is business growth and system strategy. Um, particularly for those who are just kind of getting started and maybe it's just themselves or one other person. Um, and they're really trying to figure out how they can kind of get systematized so that they don't feel like they're running in circles um, <laughs> as they're trying to grow this business. Cause so important. Yeah. So many of us, we have this passion, but we didn't go to school for business. So, you know, you're trying to think, how do I do this thing? How, you know, how do I figure out all of these business pieces? And so that's where I kind of get to step in and help support them on figuring out what are the systems that they kind of need to put in place so that they, they don't have to like run around wondering, am I doing this? Is this the right thing to do? Or it just really feels really hard. So that's. I love that you get them set up for success right in the very beginning. I think it is one, the smartest way to go. And two, it's not like a knotted ball of yarn. By the time you come in and try to like disassemble to reassemble properly. So, so very important. Have you always been an integrator? Like what pieces and parts of your personality have just made it your like zone of genius? You know, if I think back, I think it's always, it's always been part of my zone of genius. Like I was that kid that when back to school came, like I was the one excited for back to school a month before we went back. Like I would come down with my list for my mom and, you know, I'd get all excited about that kind of stuff. And so when I think back to it, I think like this has always been like a big part of my personality is getting organized and using the agenda and that kind of stuff. Um, And then as I got older, people just seemed to be coming to me to help them. You know, when you're in your early twenties, you go through the wedding circuit and all your friends are getting married and they're coming to you. And and people would always come to me with help kind of, how do I get this organized? How do I figure out what I need to do? And, you know, as a bridesmaid, you, you're involved, but also I would help them with the organization side of things. And so I think there's been a lot of those kind of signs along my journey to becoming an integrator that 
you know, you don't think about until you, you look back on it. So. Yeah, it's really fun. I love to see the building blocks and like what brought us to where we are, because I think so many times we have been doing like what's in our zone of genius and our high skill set for way longer than we ever think that we ever have. And so it's really fun to kind of dig into the past and see, you know, and hear about like the things you liked as a, as a kid. I think that's really fun. I'm, I'm right there with you with that kind of like to-do list excitement and loving post-it notes and office supplies and like all the things, right. That make us um, pumped up about organization. So that's really, really fun. I'm wondering what you see the biggest kind of stumbling block or resistance to females wanting to claim that CEO title in their business? So one of the things that I think women really struggle with is this idea that they don't have enough time. (laughs) So they want to be the CEO, but they can't figure out how to get to that level with all of the other steps and pieces that have to take place for the business to run. Yeah. So do you think that it is a mindset issue when they're saying I don't have enough time or something else? You know what? I think it's, I truly think it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, As women, we are, we grow up learning to serve others and we grow up learning to self-sacrifice and really kind of put everybody else before us. Um, And so I think that is definitely a mindset shift that you have to work on um, to really truly become that CEO in your business is to recognize that yourself and your business and your goals and your passions are just as important as everybody else that you are serving. Um, So that's definitely a mindset piece. Absolutely. I think that the tides are changing and women are ready, like way more ready than I've ever seen in the several decades that I've been an entrepreneur, especially with 2020. I don't know if you're experiencing this as well, but it feels like that female rising, like the tides are shifting. People are ready and they're just like, yeah, I don't want to keep doing what I've been doing because it's not satisfying. Yeah. I, I'm seeing the same shift in people that they're just like, something has shaken them up <laughs> and they're just like, you know what? This is not the way my life is going to go for the rest of my life. Like something has got to give, something's got to change. And now I'm putting my stake in the ground. And from this day forward, I'm going to start making those necessary changes. I really love that. I'm, I'm committed to change and progression and momentum. So I'm really excited that the shift is happening, even though I think that some of that root came from the pandemic. And so it came from a spot that was, you know, hard and challenging. And I know a lot of people struggled either with financial issues or people that they knew had been affected by this, obviously maybe some loss of work. What are you seeing in, in your um, world? You know, I work with a lot of online entrepreneurs. And so by and large, many of them have been isolated from a lot of the having to close doors and things like that, because we already were in the online space. We were already operating and and doing things virtually. And so there wasn't that big a shift or need to pivot where that your brick and mortar places have to. Um, But there's definitely the need to to respond to what's been happening. I mean, we couldn't keep going the way we were going when we were all of a sudden juggling all kinds of things and having everybody work from home and having to figure out how are we going to have this conference call when somebody else is working next door. And, um, and so there's definitely been a shift in having to look at how are we managing this and is there a more efficient way to do this or is there something that we can cut out or something that we can systematize to really make our lives a lot easier as we're making these shifts. 
Absolutely. And I think that like in the beginning, there was a time where we actually kind of needed to be flexible, but I'm, I'm chuckling to myself because in one of my conversations with my naturopath, and she had just shifted from brick and mortar when she wasn't able to see people to the online. And here I'm like pouring my heart out and like her husband walks by. And then like 10 minutes later, like her six year old makes a mad, mad dash. And she's like, oh God, he's naked. This is terrible. Like it was, <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, it was funny. And we all just had to be like, okay, we have to just go with the flow, be flexible. And like you said, find that office space and carve it out if all of a sudden now more than one person is working out of the house. Um, Yeah, it it is an interesting thing. Uh, One thing I'm curious about, because um, the people that you serve were primarily online, even though they were isolated from maybe some of the challenges that a brick and mortar entrepreneur faces, do you find that there was kind of like, um, maybe... I want to say, like, did that isolation keep them buffered from being able to pivot and communicate to their audience in a way that resonated? Are you catching what I'm saying? I I think I think I caught your question there. So yeah. they, I mean, online entrepreneurs also had to pivot their messaging. They had to respond to what was going on. We're, we're selling something, right? A product, a service, we're, we, you know, we are still making money from our business. And we had to respond to what other people were experiencing, right? So if other people, the people we were serving were people that were, you know, laid off from their positions or unable to work for whatever reason, um, or they were tackling and facing bigger problems in the home, we had to pivot our messaging and what we were looking to do to support them to really meet them where they were at during that time. Yeah, absolutely. So important. You know, I think that those are really the successful entrepreneurs that meet their clients exactly where they are and have that compassion and empathy and then also shift. Like you need to shift. I know in the beginning, even for myself, there was a little bit of denial, like, wait, what's going on? You know, and like I live in the country. So I was really, really like not only physically isolated, but I have, like you've said, worked from home. And so there was a thing of like, okay, I actually kind of have to get into the conversation just so I know how to communicate with my audience, even though I love my bubble, you know, there was a point where I was like, okay, well, hmm, I do actually have to be a little bit abreast of what's going on out there. Yeah. And I mean, that is, that is really an important piece is making sure that you're, you're staying in the loop, right. Of, of coming out of just your own little bubble. Like we are online entrepreneurs, many of us, and it's like, okay, well, we have to realize that just because our life hasn't shaken up as much as others that we need to come out of that bubble and and really feel what our audience is experiencing. Did you find that new systems had to be put into place as we progress into 2020 and, and kind of craft our new way or our flexible way of being, or are there just mainly a basic set of operational systems that really stay stable and consistent and didn't change? Um, so I think the basic operational systems pretty much stayed the same, but like you said, you had to allow for some flexibility. So for example, um, like using an online calendar to book things rather than going back and forth and email a million times, that system would stay the same in terms of you'd have the booking link and, you know, people would correspond that way. What had to change was maybe the flexibility around the times right? Mm -hmm. So that you could maybe open up your calendar to be a little bit more flexible on the time so that 
there was more spaces for people to, to select from because their children were home needing to use their computer for being in school on a class at a certain time. They maybe needed to be able to book with you at an off-peak hour. And so that part, you needed to be a little bit more flexible in opening that up. Um, but the basic system of having that scheduling in there and having the email reminders go out and an intake form and all of those components would stay the same within your business. That makes a lot of sense. I'm really glad you brought that up because it comes to another thing that I see, especially women entrepreneurs, where they struggle with boundary setting. And I would love your opinion on the difference between being flexible and going with the flow and understanding our new circumstances and boundary settings, because I also know that you're passionate about business without burnout, as am I. And so I think that's such a valuable thing to talk about. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so what I like to do is I like to have a, a set of hard non-negotiables. And so for me, that hard non-negotiable is I don't work Saturdays and Sundays in my business. Like Good different job. From week, Good job. Right? I love like, they, they might have a different day of the week they take off, but for me, that's Saturdays and Sundays. And so when I opened up my calendar, I never opened up call dates on a Saturday or Sunday. But what I did was typically when my kids were in school, my calls would finish at 3 p.m. So I could go pick them up from school with them being at home. I opened up my calendar to 5, 530 p.m. So that I had an extra couple of hours to accommodate that flexibility because I didn't have to go pick up my kids. So it's looking at what are your hard, like non-negotiables that are your, your family time. Like maybe you have an exercise class that you were doing online yoga and that was at 6 p.m then don't open up your calendar where that somebody might book during that time. Like hold your boundary of doing what you need to do to take care of yourself and your family, but then being a little bit more flexible and like, okay, I'd like to finish work by three, but I understand like all of this stuff going on. I'll open up my calendar till five for the next month until we kind of see what's going on. And so there is room for that flexibility, but I, I think you have to understand what your non-negotiables are first and make yes. sure that you are not overriding those to be accommodating to others. Absolutely. And don't cheat yourself, right? Like I think that the jump how high, you know, and being able to be um, accessed in all different directions. And I know that especially as technology even continues to be improving, you've got your Slack channels and your Voxer, and sometimes you give your clients your cell phone number and there and, and Facebook Messenger and Instagram DM, like the list goes on and on, and it can absolutely be crazy making. I think that part of those non negotiables that I'm sure you help your clients set up originally is that open and clear communication with your clients of here are my hours of operations, here's the turnaround you can expect from me, and here are the one or two places that I'll respond. Because when I didn't do that in the beginning, I would sometimes even have the same client in one day approach me in three or four different ways and leave some comments on my Kajabi site, like, you know, or a blog. I mean, it was like, I'm really happy you're engaged, but holy crap, this is overwhelming. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So when you are setting things up with your client, right, you need to have that process in place. And not just for your own sanity. I mean, that is obviously the number one important piece there. But also when you want to give them that high-end experience, when you want them shouting from the rooftop about how awesome it is to work with you, just like children need boundaries and expectations, 
we also need those when we're working with somebody else, because if we set that parameter at the very beginning, then there's no room for people to be like, oh, well, I thought that this was okay. And I, and then it kind of damages that expectation and they're disappointed. Whereas if we set that right from the beginning and say, hey, I am all in, I am all yours in this channel, in these times, I will respond to you within 24 hours. Like I got you covered. You know, if we go this route, then they know, okay, if I really want to get hold of Casey, like I need to email her before 3 p.m. and she'll get back to me the next day, right? And and then it makes them excited to communicate with you. There's no question of, did she see that? I don't know. Maybe I should message her over here. Oh, she hasn't responded on Facebook. Maybe I'll check with their unboxer. And then you've got all of these things fragmented that you're jumping back and forth going, I hope I don't miss a part of their question. I want to be able to serve them and respond, but I hope I didn't miss something that was sent in another communication channel. Really valuable point. And it does boil down to communication and respect. And I think one of the most important pieces is discipline, your own self-discipline that you have to exercise. So if it is 8 p.m. and you check your phone, that you actually maybe put the response on a scheduler. So when you're out, when you say your hours are 8 to X, that you're not doing it at 10 p.m. at night or on that Sunday when you put that hard boundary in. And I think it does require that even to the point when you're doing um, consultations or coaching sessions, if they are 50 or 60 minutes, that there is that understanding that we're at the top of the hour and we can take anything up next session. And um, I personally still struggle with that because I love what I do. And usually we're in a juicy conversation and it'd be like, oh man, we're seven minutes over. Oh geez, we're 12 minutes over. So it is like a continual practice. And I think it takes self-discipline and whatever you need to do, like even to yourself, have like a little like vibrating thing at 10 to, so you can be like, well, we're getting close to the top of the hour. But I mean, it truly is like, we have to be the ones that kind of like govern the ship. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? A place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked and be around people that just get you. Well, there is my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe. Women who are on the solopreneur journey, just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters, and having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance and request to join my private Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, the gathering place for heart-centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious lightworkers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance. I'll catch you there. So I'll let you in on one of the little secrets because I, I resonate so much with what you just said there. Like I am notorious for 
delivering over the the time that I'd set aside for that client. So I set my appointments to be 50 minute appointments. And then I have that 10 minute buffer to the top of the hour. And I also have an alarm on my phone that goes off one minute to the top of every hour for me to get up and move because I was notorious for sitting in the same spot for like six, seven hours and cramping up. And so I set that to go one minute before the hour and my client can hear the alarm go off. Right. And so I, if we're getting over, I'll say, Oh, we're, we're, you know, we're a little bit past time. Let's just wrap up this one thing that we're diving into. And then we'll, we'll put that to next week. And it's kind of like my wrap up assigning them homework usually goes over that 50 minutes. And then if they hear my alarm go off, I'm like, Oh, I really, you know, we've really got to wrap this up because I've got something else I have to do. They don't know. Now they'll know. Now they'll know. I have to get up and move <laughs> out of the bag. That's the water. But prior to that, they wouldn't know what that alarm was triggering. It could have been another call. It could have been something else. Right. And so I will have I that self I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really going to help people. I think, you know, that, that over delivering piece comes from a good place. It comes from really wanting to serve and it comes from wanting to, you know, impress and knock the socks off our clients. And it also somehow steals a little bit from ourselves. In fact, I'm doing a yoga series and we're going through the yamas of yoga and this week's theme was on stealing and it was beyond theft of like literally taking a candy bar from the grocery store and really thinking about other ways. Like if you're late for an appointment, you're actually stealing that other person's time. And when you really then even take it a step further and you think about it, oh, I'm stealing from myself. I'm stealing from my company, whether you're an LLC or a sole proprietor, like you've set those boundaries in place for a reason. And I think that it's just such a, for me, I find this a really interesting topic because it is something that I bump up against quite a bit. So I'm always diving in under the root, like what's the why behind that, you know? So do you have a special app that you use to put those um, timers on for you? Because I think a lot of people can relate, especially now to cramming over and slumping and dumping over the computer hour after hour. So is there a special app that you use to set those little reminders? Actually, I just use the the timer on my iPhone. I just li- literally go in and I have it set to go off every hour. So you'll see if you open up my alarms, it's like the morning alarm, and then there's one that goes off every hour. Great. Um, I have oh, to remember to turn funny. those off on the weekend or it drives my husband crazy. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> exactly. Time to kiss me, sweetie. Like, no. here's the thing. <laughs> uh, I love that. Well, you mentioned children, and I know that you're a mama of a three and a five-year-old. So how are you keeping this all together? I, I have support. Um, I'm very, very lucky to have my, my mom is retired and, um, lives very close by. And so, um, I have been using some of her support to help keep me going. Um, yeah. Oh, she loves it too. Yeah, exactly. So we had to quarantine for the first little bit, but then when we started to open things up, uh, you know, she hadn't been anywhere. We hadn't been anywhere. And so I, I asked for the support and she was more than happy to give it. Um, The other thing I do, I mean, I'm not ashamed. I have been using screen time. I mean, it's not something my kids were used to before. Um, It's not something that is going to become a permanent part of our lives. But during this crazy mixed up, you know, thing where we didn't know from one week to the next what was going to happen, um, I did. I used some screen time so that I could sit and have my client call. Because my kids don't get a lot of screen time, they are, of course, zoned right in. Totally. Um, and then I would get off my call and I would turn the TV off and do whatever I needed to do with them. And then I would put it back on if I had another client call. So I, 
I did. I went that route and I feel no shame about that. So any other moms out there listening, do not feel ashamed for changing things within your home when you're faced with unprecedented times. Absolutely. Thank you for your transparency. And again, it points to being flexible, going with the flow and, and honestly, like not having guilt, like right. Showing up, being in the moment guilt free. And I think that even when it comes to getting support to set systems up and to step into that role of being the CEO, I think it's an opportunity to rise and to grow and to really up-level yourself because if you stay stuck in the consciousness of a DIYer, it, it's very limiting. And I used to be the cook chief and bottle washer for years, right? I've, I've been doing this for 29 years. So uh, the first chunk of time, and I would say probably the first 20 years, it was all DIY. I can figure that out. I can figure that out. And it limits you. And the minute I realized, wait, this person can actually do this and maybe even do it better because that's their focus and that's their zone of genius. When I started getting my own coaching, everything shifted. And I think that it's an internal up level, but it also says to the universe, yes, I am a CEO, right? I am not just a busy beaver doing all the, you know, admin stuff because that's not really your zone of genius, unless it's your zone of genius like you. But you know what I'm saying? Like that is your zone of genius because that's you are the CEO of your company. But I do think that energetic shift is huge. Have you seen that? I have. And and for a lot of women too, I find that we tend to think about what can I do within my my business. And so first of all, you don't need to hire somebody full time for admin. You can get someone for five hours a week to take some of those things off your plate. So don't let that be the blocker thinking, I can't afford to bring somebody in full time. You can bring somebody in just five hours a week and kind of expand that as your business grows. That's but awesome. Also making sure that you have the support on the home front to do whatever it is that you need to do to grow your business. And so we always think like hiring a virtual assistant or something like that, but maybe what you need to do is need to get that support within your home to allow you to be more consistent in your business. And so don't kind of ignore that piece or that part, you know, that might be having someone come in and clean every couple of weeks for you so that you can lighten your workload or having a grocery delivery service or bringing in a neighborhood teenager to keep an eye on your kids for a couple hours so that you can sit down and and create some content. Like whatever that looks like, it might be getting some support in the home so that you have some complete focus time that you can devote to your business. I love that stair-stepped approach. It's so practical and I can really tell you understand the people that you serve. And I think that it is a progression. So maybe step one is um, optimizing your environment and getting that support and, and staying in that rhythm for a little bit. So you see what it's like to have those time blocks of clarity and business development. And then I also do see then that that will progress into, oh, and I also need support in other areas too. So I really like that stair-stepped approach. I love that it's not all or nothing. Like, Zero, I've got to do everything myself or 40 hours. Where am I going to get that two or three K a month to pay support? So there is lots of area in between and you can tailor it to yourself, which is, I love that. So um, let me see here. Well, I have some juicy questions for you. Okay. What do you think the biggest mistake is that solopreneurs make um, and how can they avoid falling into that pitfall? Mm. Oh, there's so many, but the one that sticks out to me right now is we get stuck in that learning mode. 
Um, so like you, you mentioned like, Oh, I can do that. I can do that. And so we, we get the course, we take the course and then we don't take action. We just go and do the next course and learn the next thing. And, you know, when we have only limited time to be able to grow our business, we need to limit, I'm a big believer in learning, but we need to limit what we're learning and take action on those pieces. Otherwise we're not going to grow. We're going to just wonder why our business is where it was six months ago. But if we look at what we've actually done, we've learned a lot, but we're not taking action on those steps, even bit by bit, right? Like do one module at a time and implement what they've taught within that module and just keep going one step at a time. Such a brilliant tip. I think that it's very typical to have overconsumption and that leads to overwhelm. And so I like this micro um, intake, output, intake, output, balance. So you're actually seeing some results and taking action. Such a valuable tip. I love it. That's amazing. What kind of exciting things do you have coming up on the docket for yourself and your business? Uh, well, for myself, September's a kind of busy month for us. So I have like wedding anniversary and three or four different birthdays. So it's an exciting month there. Um, from the personal front, I'm taking some more time off to, to do things with my kids. Um, and on the business front, I'm going to be launching some VIP days to really kind of help people get it done fast and get it implemented and like ready to go to roll out for whatever the rest of 2020 brings. So that's really excited that I'm going to be rolling those out this fall um, to really kind of support people with just getting it all done and getting it together. I love those laser focus days. I mean, you can get so much accomplished and you're in the zone. You got that momentum building. You have your accountability partner like steering you, right? So, so valuable. I'm really glad that you're doing those. Do you, um, I guess my question would be like, what do you think that the solopreneur really needs to focus on so 2020 doesn't just become a wash because I know with this newness of back to school for our moms, where maybe their kids are only going back one or two days or it's all online. Um, and then it's like people get into holiday consciousness, like the minute the weather starts to change. And I think it's very easy to just be like, wait, where did that fourth quarter go? So what mm-hmm. kind of um, final tip do you have for the listeners on how to really salvage 2020 and optimize their fourth quarter? So I would say two different things. One is focus on the revenue generating activities. So whatever way your business is set up, if you are a one-to-one coach, if you are a group coach, whatever that looks like for you as a solopreneur, optimize that revenue generating activity. So get out there and connect with more people, bring in those one-to-one clients, really kind of focus on that activity. And then going along with that in terms of being visible and being out there to support people with everything we have going on, narrow it down to one platform or one way to do this. You don't have to, I mean, it'd be great to be on all of them, but when you're a solopreneur, really honing in, looking at where am I actually getting my clients from? I might love Instagram, but if I'm not getting my clients from Instagram, then I need to to take a step back, post a couple of times a week, do a couple stories, whatever, but really hone my focus in on where those clients are converting from. Um, And then you can those hours that have kind of been taken up with family and kids being home and that kind of stuff, you now know your top two activities to bring those clients in, right? You're focusing on what it is, what is generating that revenue and how are you getting in front of those people to to keep that coming in for fourth quarter? I love that. 
I love that. It just, it really just reminds me of the boundary conversation we had earlier. And it's all about that focus, putting blinders on, having time blocks, having those non-negotiables. So you're like really maximizing the effort that you have and being so laser focused. I think we need to do that more than ever as entrepreneurs nowadays. And really in the same vein, focusing on those revenue building resources. And I'm a huge fan of deeper, not wider. So we're really similar in our philosophies. So drill down on what's working. And if you don't know, take a step back and figure it out. Um, I think that's really important because I do think it's very easy to just keep throwing things up here and there and think that you have a presence or visibility, but there is no strategy as a foundation. So just like you may have to dial back and look at your environment before getting support, you may have to take a step and dial back and be like, where is the stuff coming from? Like, what's working? What is working? And then go forward. So I really like this conversation. I like you a lot, Kristen. I really do. This has been a fun, fun conversation. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk about these things. I get so excited and, you know, not everybody likes to hear them. So thank you for listening. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, this is my cup of tea and you shared some beautiful tips. How can people learn more about you? Well, I am on Instagram. Instagram is the top platform to follow me on. I'm also on Facebook, but like I said, I focus more on Instagram. Um, And I have a gift for your audience if they go um, you can pop the link in the show notes, but it's kristenwestcottmedia.com forward slash, um, I think it's women developing brilliance. I have to double check on the nice. exact forward slash on that. Um, and you'll get a lovely roadmap to business growth. So you can try to map out what you want to accomplish in the next you know, year. And really I show you, there's a, a video series that comes off the back end to show you how to break that down to really hone in on focus on what it is that you can accomplish within this next quarter, the final quarter of 2020 or beyond, um, and breaking that down and looking at what is realistic for me to do during the time that I have with everything else going on. And so, um, beautiful. I love it. I'll make sure to put that link in. Thank you so much. So for listeners that are resonating with this message, you can take this interview and this episode deeper by Kristen's generous gift. So thank you so, so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.